I thank y'all for the worship. It's really been awesome today. I'm very grateful to you. Boy, it's good to worship with God's people and be in the midst of God's people. Amen. I love it. I've missed it a lot, you know. I've done a lot of drive-in churches and gone to drive-in churches, and boy, it's just good to be you know, in a place where we can somewhat assemble together and be together, and uh, I'm just grateful to be here tonight. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. I did. I let, still have my books out there if you want to get a copy of it. It's a hardback copy, and uh, it's been a, you know, a tool that God's really used. I was very grateful to be able to get it republished. I'm, I'm also writing another new one right now entitled Fan the Flame, and uh, that's the name of my ministry, Fan the Flame Ministries. And you can go to our website at fantheflame.com, and you can learn. You know, I've got about all my sermons. I've preached through most of the books of the Bible, and you can kind of go through there and and download the notes for nothing and just use those in your, you know, your Bible study time or if you're teaching a class, you know, however it can help you. And there's a lot of other information on there too, just things to help people grow, a lot of leadership uh, things that I provide. I, I do a lot of men's conferences. I, I have it this year, but prior to this year, uh, we was doing quite a few uh, at different places throughout the southeast. And um, so I've got some of that material on there to try to help you, you know, to know how to really get to another level. And that's kind of what I want to talk to you tonight is about moving up one more level. Let's say on a scale of one to ten, and ten being best. You know, you, you're here tonight, and I want to talk about the fullness of the Holy Spirit, about how to have a, a life that is perpetually filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, this ought to be a strong aim and ambition and drive of all of us that we'd say, hey, you know, I really want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I, I want the Holy Spirit to control me. In fact, it was... You know, it was what the Old Testament believers, man, when they heard the message that that's what was going to happen, you know, in our time in the church age to be actually endowed with the Holy Spirit, it, it was something they personally did not get to experience. They had the Holy Spirit of God on them, but not in them in the same fashion as we do. Now, if we have the Holy Spirit of God inside of us, it behooves us to have a, an ambition to say, look, I want to develop you know, if God's indwelling my body, if I'm the temple of the Holy Ghost, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20, then I want to be filled, I want to, I want to understand my relationship and the feeling of the Holy Spirit. And so, in the context of life in general, that's what the Apostle Paul addresses in Ephesians chapter 5. He's sharing with us how we, we progress through life and how that we can do it with our Christian life displayed, developing fruits, and how we can be under the influence and the control of the Holy Spirit in every arena of our life. So let's look at Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18. It says, And be not drunk with wine, in which is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And so now he displays for us what the evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit really is. He first of all uses the analogy here of being not drunk with wine. Now, why does he use that analogy of someone that's under the influence and the control of alcohol? He says you can be controlled by alcohol, but that's not the choice you want to make. Or you can be controlled by anger. I know a little bit about that when I get on the road and I'm on a trip. 
I can't stand people running 45 miles an hour in the left-hand lane. It drives me absolutely insane. I want to well up in anger and say, man, where did you learn to drive? The, it's not a travel lane. The left lane is a passing lane. Get over. I'm on a mission for God. I got to go. I feel better. I feel like I've been in counseling. I, I needed that. I, you know, and I had to control my flesh. And I always, the next day when I wake up, I'm so glad I'm not in jail where I rammed them. See, I race over here at Kingsport Speedway. And whenever you're racing a race car, guess what? You actually get to bump them. <laughs> Hallelujah, man. I go to the racetrack just to kind of take it out on everybody, man. Bump, bump, bump. Let's go. We got to go, man. But out here in life, you got to learn to control yourself. There's a whole lot of people that are dominated and they're controlled by their flesh. But that ought not to be said about us as born-again believers. We have a great door of opportunity that rises before us that all we need to do is take a key and open that door to a truth of that of the Holy Spirit. So he says, you know, when you're drunk, you're, you're influenced and controlled by another substance. He says, don't, don't do that. He says, no, be under the influence filled with, filled up with the Holy Ghost of God and let Him influence you. Now, He addresses what that Spirit-filled life looks like. I want to talk about, you know, the elements of a, a life perpetually filled with the Holy Spirit, but I do want to say a couple things here that he, he brings to light. He talks about in verse 19 of Ephesians chapter 5, you know, that our worship would, would be one, when you feel the Holy Spirit, it's going to influence your worship life. And then in verse 20, talks about our gratitude. You know, we're going to have a, a, always being thankful. And then he moves into the family life. And he talks about in verse 22, wives submitting themselves. How do they do that? Well, they're filled with the Holy Ghost. This is what a spirit-filled wife looks like. She is submissive unto her husband. And then he talks about in verse 25, husbands. A man that is filled with the Holy Ghost of God, the husband, he is going to do what? He's going to love his wife. And then he drops down to verse uh, one of chapter six, and he talks about the children. He said, how do they obey their parents? Well, they get filled with the Holy Ghost of God. And then he says in verse, you know, verse four, he talks about parenting. And he says, you fathers, provoke not your children wrath. Here he's talking about another evidence that you learn how to parent. Man, I, I didn't, you know, I didn't have a dad, and so I had to learn a little bit about parenting. And so when I had these little kids, you know, I used to preach 10 commandments to raise your kids by. Then they became teenagers. I started preaching three suggestions that may or may not work. I found out in a hurry, man. I didn't know anything about parenting, man. I'm like, God help me. I don't know nothing about parenting. I like what James Dobbs said. He said, when they turn 13, you put them in a drum with a hole in it. When they turn 16, plug up the hole. I really help my kids. You know, my daughter, she's 18 and and uh, just graduated, she just, she, you know, I, she's our adopted daughter, and she was my granddaughter, we adopted her. She's been with us her whole life, and uh, I have three other grown children. They're up in their 30s and 40s, and um, I, I, when they all, <laughs> when they graduate, I gave them all a gift, a nice gift. I gave them a gift certificate to U-Haul. <laughs> I said, here, let me help you out just a little bit. Where are you going, to Hawaii? You want to go up to Alaska? Let me help you out. I want to help you move if you want to move, man. I'll I get you on down the road. So I didn't know a whole lot about parenting, but thank God you get filled with the Holy Ghost of God. At least you can make some type of decision. And by the way, let me just put a little word in here. Man, if your, your kids are, you know, they're out here and they're about to drive you crazy and, you're, and the devil's beating you up telling you how sorry you are, listen to me. You can only do the best you can do, and that's all you can do. 
Man, you can't, when they become adults, you can't control them. And all of us have done things in our life that we wish we hadn't done. Listen, you can't change your past. But hallelujah, you can have a brand new ending. Man, you can choose to go for a new ending and stop beating yourself up, telling yourself you're a sorry parent. You listen, you teach them the right way, and someday you've got to release them, and you've got to let them go, and you hope to God in heaven they walk with God. Maybe they'll turn around somewhere. I don't know. But here's what you do. You never stop praying for them, man. I mean, if you don't pray for them, who's going to? You parents and grandparents need to get on your knees before God, lift their names up, pray for angels to be around them, pray for them to have godly influence on the other side, and that people will just really help them in, in understanding how important God is in their life. So he talks about being, you know, parenting. And he talks about, he moves into the workforce in verse number 5 of chapter 6. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters. He says, you employees, you need to be controlled by the Holy Spirit as you are an employee to the business. You know, be the best employee that the company has. He talks about the bosses in verse 9. And ye masters, do the same things to them, forbearing, threatening, knowing that you're a master uh, also is in heaven. You know, he says, look, you be the best boss you can be. I mean, you really pour out, do what you can for your employees. Try to make it a place where people want to come to work. That's what a spirit-filled life looks like. And thank God, he addresses every arena of life. He talks about the spiritual warfare beginning at verse number 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. We need to be filled with the Holy Ghost because we're in the middle of a spiritual war. There's battles all around us raging for the, the lost souls of those that haven't been saved and given their life to Jesus. And so he tells us we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 7, But we have this treasure, treasure in earthen vessels, mm, that the excellency of the power may, not be of, may be of God and not of us. Man, it's all about God. It's not about, I don't care how well trained, how eloquent you might be, how educated you are, how wealthy you are. It makes no difference of that. What matters is the moving and the wooing and the drawing of the Holy Spirit of Almighty God. Man, if I've learned anything in evangelism, that's it. You know, I, I can't talk people into things, and if I could, somebody else could talk them out of it. But when the Holy Ghost gets a hold of your life, praise the Lord, man. He knows how to change a life. He knows how to get things. And he can change things instantaneously. Man, you're, in a, you're backed up in a corner thinking there's no hope. And suddenly he opens the water. You can just walk through on dry land. I mean, that's the same God that did it back then that can do it today. He knows how to make things happen. And he's so much more efficient at it than we are. I love being filled with the Holy Spirit of God. It's been my prayer constantly. One all-time great memories of my life. When I was, you know, I pastored my last church for 15 years. And when I was pastor there, one of my dearest friends was J. Harold Smith. And you probably don't know him, but he was a great evangelist. And Dr. Smith stayed in my home several times the last year of his life. In fact, I was president of the Tennessee Baptist Convention Pastors Conference. And I had him scheduled to preach on Monday. But he was admitted to the hospital on Sunday. And he, he passed away on Monday. And, uh, but I remember... Uh, I'd go to his house, and he'd come to my house, he'd stay with us, and we'd sit around the dining room table and talk all night long. And, um, but I was at his house one time, and Jay Harrell, he, he, every day, every day of his life, he wrote a letter to God, a one-page letter to God. He had stacks of legal pads like this where he wrote, wrote these one letters, you know, one letters to God. He did it at my home. He'd be sitting at my kitchen table, and he'd be writing that letter to the Lord that day. And he just had stacks of them, and... And I was in his home, and he had his mountain 
in a, a mountain home, and he look, overlooked the mountains, and he'd get up every day and go out there on that balcony, man, and just pray to God for hours on his knees. He, he taught me about fasting. I fasted for 40 days and just tried to learn. You know, I was trying to make some difficult decisions. And when you fast, what you're saying is, God, you know, this decision is more important to me than food. Now, when something's more important than food to a Baptist, it gets God's attention. I just want you to know that. And so, you know, I'm trying to make these decisions, but I remember very distinctly, in his home, he had me kneel before him. And I didn't know I was going to evangelism at the time. But I mean, he laid hands on me and prayed for God's anointing on my life. And I don't know, you know, it was just that moment. I spent three days with Adrian Rogers the last year of his life. Three days of just, you know, soaking up. Me and just a handful of people listening to what he had to say. And, and understanding as he mentored us. And I thought about when I was ordained, some of the great men, that Dr. Gray and my pastor and some other great men of God that laid hands on me and prayed for God's anointing. And I, I, I preached in a conference in uh, Mississippi two years ago, and I preached, they, they asked me to preach, and I preached on uh, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I preached on the double portion of the Holy Spirit. When Elisha, you know, Elijah said, Elisha, what do you want? He said, I want a double portion of what you've got. He said, I've been enamored by what I've seen and evaluated and examined of your life. And he said, I've seen something you I've not seen in no other place. He said, there's a, there's a touch of God on you. And he said, I want that touch of God. I long for that. And so every day of my life, I ask God for a double portion of Elisha's spirit. Lord, let me have a double anointing of his spirit that may rest on me. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 3 verses 1 and 5. Listen to this. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. I'm concerned that Baptists are so concerned about doing the charismatic thing that they miss the God thing. Man, God help us to never miss the anointing of God because of what others may be going through. Listen, I don't have time to evaluate what everybody else is going through in my life and around me. I just want to know, God, I, want, I don't want to miss one benefit of why Jesus Christ died on the cross. You are still here and there's purpose for you being here. But the only way to fulfill that is to be anointed with the power of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, But ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and the uttermost part of the earth. God help us, folks, to understand the power, the need for the power of the Holy Spirit to rest on us and in us. When he is in me and on me, he controls me. He anoints me. He's on me for certain ways and purposes that God has directed for me to fulfill. That I can't do it in my flesh. I must have the Holy Spirit of God to accomplish everything God wants me to accomplish. You know, we see this constantly throughout the Word of God. Paul, you know, Paul said this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. He said, my speech and my preaching it was not with enticing words of men's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Now, there's nothing wrong with education, but it is inadequate. Jesus said, unless you abide in me, you will not be productive. You will not be fruitful. If I want to bear eternal fruit, then I must have the Holy Spirit of God. 
You know, John the Baptist, it says regarding him in Luke chapter 1, verse number 15, For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and he shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. <laughs> he came into the world anointed, man. <laughs> Man, don't you want to just have that type of anointing that you can see these types of men? It takes the anointing of God. And then Jesus himself. In Luke chapter 4, verse 1, it says, And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. It goes on further and says in Luke 4, 14, And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. Man, God, if, if Jesus needed that anointing, how much more do we need his anointing. The apostles, the disciples were anointed. The Bible says in Acts 4, 31, and when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God with boldness. I think one of the things that the element missing in so many churches across this land is that anointing of God on those who say they're called God to preach. I mean, folks, you, you've got to have the anointing of God. I don't care. You can, you can outline it and you can be well trained, all of that stuff. And that's fine. But, folks, that, you know, it's like my pastor said. If he can use a dull instrument, how much more effectively can he use a sharp one? So I believe in sharpening our tools, being the best we can be. I think you need to be prepared. But, folks, you can't. You can do all that. And if you lack the anointing of the Holy Ghost of God, now, how do you go about being anointed? You know, the, the story is told about Moody. Uh, they were going to have a campaign in England. And so somebody, you know, said, well, why don't we use Mr. Moody? To which one pastor said, Moody, Moody, Moody. He, he's uneducated. He's inexperienced. Who does he think he is anyway? I mean, does he think he, ha he has a monopoly on the Holy Ghost? To which another wise pastor responded, no, but the Holy Spirit has a monopoly on Mr. Moody. Man, may the Holy Ghost of God have a monopoly on us. I mean, to see, I knew my pastor and Adrian Rogers and J. Harold Smith, I knew there was something distinctly different about those men that I didn't recognize in many other men. There was an anointing and a touch of God. And I don't know who of you serve on this past search me, but I'm going to tell you this. You, you, I, and all, I have dealt with many, many, many past search committees in my lifetime. And I've never had one say, can you tell us about the anointing of God on your life? Wow. I've never had one. Now listen, I'm talking about hundreds of churches. I've never had one ask me about the anointing of God. And the only way you can have integrity in ministry, thank God for the, all the years of my ministry, have been years of absolute, bona fide, impeccable integrity. Because you must guard that. And you can only guard against the attacks and the wiles of Satan by the anointing power of the Holy Spirit of God. And they need to be anointed. I don't, I don't I mean, you know, that, to me, that's the first qualification. All this other stuff's irrelevant. I'm telling you, what, you know, I... I've hired a lot of staff people in my time. I've never asked one of my staff members, where'd you go to school at? I could care less. It doesn't matter to me. I don't know about your life. I don't know what kind of man of God you are. I want to ask you this question. Is there anything I haven't asked you that I need to know about? Because things come back to bite you. Y'all know that? It, 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 it is a, it's a challenging place to serve on a past search committee. Because there's a bunch of deception out there. 
There's a bunch of lies that goes on out in this world. And I'm telling you, people try to deceive you, and they'll present themselves to be one thing when there's something totally different. We have seen so much of the lies, but when you get a man of God that is anointed, and he has the power of God on his life, praise God, that's enough. And, and, and when you get that kind of man, if he says, ladies and gentlemen, grab your water pistols and get your waders on. We're going to attack hell today. Just get your waders on and go with him, man, and follow him all the way to fight the gates of hell. Because the Bible says, the gates of hell shall not prevail hallelujah it doesn't mean we're on the defense going oh the devil's about to get me no it means we're lunging forward against the gates of hell we're going to bust the gates of hell wide open and we're going to rescue the perishing and care for the dying hallelujah just a thought from your friendly evangelist so let me give you some elements for life perpetually and we're going we're going to wrap it up here we'll be done i know baptist will be out by 12 so i think we can make it <laughs> a life that is perpetually filled with the Holy Spirit. Number one, there has to be faith. I have to believe I can be filled with the Holy Spirit. If he says, be not drunk with wine which is excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. I've got to have faith to believe. Yes, hey, I qualify to be filled with the Holy Ghost of God. Man, that's a great film. I'm glad it's not just for the J. Harold Smiths of life and the Asian Rogers. And the Hal Fletcher Juniors. I'm glad it's for all of us, man. I'm glad we all qualify when we're born again, child of God, saved, that we get sealed with the Holy Ghost of God until the day of our, our, our calling to the home. And that seal is identifying Mark to Lucifer that it's a seal of ownership, that we are owned by Almighty God, that we are a child of God, praise the Lord. Woo! Hallelujah for the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, and what is the exceeding great Greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. If ye then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to them and ask him? You know, every day I got this prayer pattern I follow. And I don't, there's very few days in my life I ever miss it. But it's Lord, help me to love you more. Help me to know you better. You know, I don't want to know about God. I don't want to know God. Help me know you better. Lord, help me to trust you wholeheartedly today. You know? Lord, help me to keep my mind stayed on you. The Bible says he'll be at perfect peace whose mind stayed on the Lord, the book of Isaiah. I want to, I want to keep my mind stayed on the Lord. I want to think about him constantly. And then, Lord, I want to ask you to fill me the double portion of the Holy Spirit of God today. Lord, today, help me to yield to you. I want, and Lord, help me to do your will. I want to I be right in the center of your will today. You know, we never know, folks, when this is going to be our last day. This is our last opportunity. We, we've got great doors of opportunity. That's, they're right before us, and we've got to step through those doors if we're willing to do what the Holy Spirit leads us to do. It, it, you know, it takes a little bit of courage sometimes, and, but you've got to know the Holy Spirit of God. He's going to, he's, listen. You just got to trust God. You know, I've done a lot of things. I had a, I had a crusade over here in uh, Elizabeth two weeks ago, three weeks ago maybe now. And uh, I had a drive-in theater, had Michael Combs come to sing, and I had uh, uh, a pra our praise band from Mountain View come over and to lead us in worship. And I mean, we fought hell by the acre. I mean, everything. You know, we had that radio thing program. I don't know about none of that stuff. But we had that stuff going on. And we didn't have the numbers of people that I thought was going to be there. And, you know, I made a, a sizable investment in doing it because I really felt like it was, you know, of the Holy Spirit of God. And I'm tr constantly trying to find ways to minister, 
you know, on, on an on a impactful level, especially during these times, because, you know, people just aren't having revivals right now. It's been, a, it's been a grueling year for all evangelists. In fact, there's only about 75 of us left in the whole world, Southern Baptist Evangelists. They're almost, and, and when, when COVID's done, I suspect there'll be less than 75. I, there'll probably be many that are just going to have to say, I, you know, I can't. And I could not do it if it wasn't for all the partners I've got. I thank God for churches and partners that care for our ministry. They know what I'm about, man. And they, they believe in the call of God for me to be a soul winner and to try to lead people in a close. You know, my ministry is fan the flame ministries. I'm constantly trying to fan the flame and get God's people on fire because I'm telling you right now, I see these embers and they're so burning so low and they've lost their passion. They've let COVID-19 put the whole fire of God out in their lives. You can't do that. Listen, greater is he that's in us and he that's in this stinking world. And I'm telling you right now, God has power over COVID-19. Hallelujah, man. He is able to deliver us. Pray for a hedge about you and your family. Ask God to put something around you. I was just preaching in South Carolina a few weeks ago, maybe five weeks ago now. And one of the praise members didn't know it. I was over here on this side. And and the praise team come here and they all came up to sing. And he didn't know he had COVID. And he gave three of the members COVID. And so they called me on Thursday, Thursday and asked me how I was feeling. I said, I'm feeling pretty doggone good. How you feeling? <laughs> and then they told me, well, Brother Dennis, uh, there's the people in church that had COVID. And so we had to shut church back down. So you, I was supposed to go back the next Sunday to preach again. And, and they said, we, we just can't have service. We've got to cancel our services. But I thank God for the shield he's put around me because I'm around a bunch of different people, you know. And, I, and, and the last thing my wife who's had cancer wants or needs is COVID-19. I mean, she's a preschool director. You understand? She's got tons of little kids and employees, and she's trying to protect these parents and these grandparents and these kiddos and the employees and please the board and all that stuff. And, man, we, you know, that's not what we need in our life right now. Now, you, you just got to believe and trust God by faith that God will fill you with the Holy Spirit of God and put a barrier around you and that he will protect you. You know, people say, well, why you wear a mask? Well, same reason I wear a helmet when I race at Kingsport. I don't get my head bashed in. <laughs> I mean, man, you know, I, I trust God, but I still got on my safety gear, man. I'm trusting the Lord. I had a, a race over here at King, uh, Bristol a couple times, and I had a wreck over there one night. And I tell you right now, I was thanking God in heaven. I had everything on. Because, but that, there's, that place will wake you up. I just want you. When you're running 130 miles an hour in a Camaro with eight inch tires on it, woo! That'll wake you up. Hello, darling. <laughs> First time I got on that race, I got like, Lord, whatever. I got myself into is Jesus. You want to drive Jesus? Because I don't think I need to be driving on this rascal. I'm the oldest geezer out there, man. Somebody probably said, what is that old man doing over here racing? What, he going to kill everybody on track? Hey, but I finished 14th. I said, praise the Lord, I'll take it, man. <laughs> then second element is obedience. You know, realizing you should be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a command. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 through 20, What? Know ye not that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and ye are not your own? Paul asked that question. He says, For you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirits, which are God's. You are under new management. I like the management of the spirit a whole lot better than do the management of my flesh. Man, I'm like old Paul. I mean... The things I want to do, I'm supposed to, I don't find myself doing. And the things I shouldn't do, I find myself doing. 
Oh, man, who shall deliver me from this vile body of flesh? Oh, thank God the Holy Ghost does, man. He's in us. He empowers us. He enables us. We, we can do with Him. That's why Jesus said, you can do far greater works than I did. Woo! That's a, man, that's a statement. So obedience. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Renewing your mind. We need to have the mind of a transformed thinker. One that is controlled by the mind of Christ. That we have the mind of Jesus and the Holy Ghost of God is inside of us and we follow the precepts and the guidance of this Holy Bible, folks. We don't just admire it in, in Sunday school or admire it on the shelf in our home or a coffee table. No, it, we engraft that word inside of our lives and we allow the Holy Spirit to show us and reveal us exactly what God's perfect will is. And then there's also dependency. I'm weak and fruitless without him in the work of God's kingdom. I mean, the element for being perpetually filled with the Holy Ghost of God is faith, obedience, and dependency. I've got to depend on him. It is a spirit that quickens. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak, they are spirit and they are life, Jesus said in John chapter 6, verse 63. The Bible says in Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6, Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, this is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Oh, thank God for his spirit that abides inside of our bodies that can enable us. And then there fourth is commitment. You know, I, I've got a desire to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. You know, I mean, this, it's, a, it's an ongoing commitment in every arena of your life. I know... I was in a revival in Jackson, Tennessee, a couple years ago, and uh, I was with my buddy Edgar Pierce. And of course, you know Edgar. I don't know if you know Brother Edgar or not, but he 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 has cancer, and it's been a real long battle for this man of God. I love Brother Edgar, and he's from Stony Creek, and just love him to death. I've preached about every church he's ever been in for revival or something, and uh, this was my second revival with him. Well, on Tuesday night, I just flat out missed God. I had my little notes and outlines, and I. You know, and I'm, I'm prepared for that. And, and the Holy Spirit's redirecting me in a whole different direction. Now, I get a little antsy when the Holy Spirit redirects me when I'm sitting down here and I'm fixing to walk up here and preach, man. I'm saying, you know, I, I, I don't want to do that. I'm not ready for that. I, I'm scared to death. You know, I look like a fool because I don't know what world I'm even doing. Trust me, Dennis. No, I got to stick with these notes, man. That, that, that ain't the God. That's the devil, man. Don't be talking to me like that. And, and the whole time it's the Holy Ghost of God trying to tell me what I'm supposed to do. But I wouldn't let him influence me. I wouldn't let. He knows what y'all need far better than I do. I don't take it lightly about what to preach. I really try to have a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit of God to say what I'm supposed to say and to preach the passage I'm supposed to preach and the text. Well, I went back to my room and I'll tell you what, that sermon that night, I mean, before I went in that room, it flopped. And I mean, I, I, I came off that platform. I went back. I, I cast myself across that bed and I said, dear God in heaven, I don't want that to ever happen again. I don't, I don't ever want to miss the Holy Spirit again. It broke me. I mean, it broke me. So I finished the meeting and I got home on Thursday and 
had to head out Saturday. I was going to South Carolina to preach another revival meeting. Church I'd never been to. And I got in there. And now, I'm in a new church. I don't know anybody but the pastor. And I'm sitting down here, the same chair, same place. And here we are singing. The place is packed. And the Holy Spirit says, uh, when you get up, give the invitation. Who said that, man? <laughs> you talking to me? <laughs> are you serious? Oh, oh, you've already forgot Tuesday night already? Mm, no, I'm sorry. Got up. I said, folks, it's a little different today, but I know it's Sunday morning, but I want to ask you to close your eyes and bow your heads. And, and I gave the invitation, and seven people got saved. I never even preached that morning. I didn't even preach. Well, one of the old boys that got saved, when after church that day, I was out, I was. No, that, that night, I was, I was outside standing by a truck, and I was leaning over a truck like this talking to some guys. And that truck was filled with liquor bottles and beer cans. I said, man, this ain't the pastor's truck, is it? <laughs> they said, no, nah, brother. This. I said, well, who's it? They said, this is Blue's truck. They said, Blue's that man that got saved this morning. And he said, did you see he came back tonight? He's in there right now. He, he, came, he still hadn't got out yet. He said, he brought his wife tonight. He was she, clean shaved and got all cleaned up. I've never seen him look like He's the town drunk. But I'm telling you what, he gave his life to Jesus more. And he, he's not been there. He, he got changed. Well, a year later, I'm with that same pastor. Now I'm in a different, I'm in Savannah, Georgia. He's left that church and gone to Savannah. And I was doing a men's conference on Saturday prior to doing revival that week. And he said, Brother Dennis, he said, you see that man sitting right back over there? I said, yeah. He said, you know who that is? I said, no. He said, that's Blue. He said, let me tell you something. Blue got saved that morning at church. He said, he ain't never been the same. He said, that old boy's on fire for Almighty God. He said, I'm sure glad you obeyed the Holy Spirit of God and he gave his life to Jesus. And the Holy Spirit said, man, you've got to learn to depend on me, Dennis Dees. You've got to know that I know what people, where they're at, what they're in need of. I understand all the seeds that's already been planted in their life. Thank God we just plant the gospel seeds and, and somebody else waters and somebody else cultivates it and somebody else comes along. But thank God it's the Holy Spirit that gives the increase. It's Jesus himself, folks, that can bring about the fruit, praise God. And so there has to be, you know, there's got to be commitment. Hallelujah. It's kind of, uh, I heard this story about this, this guy, and he's at the Niagara Falls. He's got this wheelbarrow, and he, 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 he's got this tightrope across Niagara Falls. And, and he, he, he pushes that wheelbarrow all the way across Niagara Falls. And, man, everybody on both sides, they're screaming and hollering because he made it. He actually got to the other side. He said, all right. He said, man, they said, y'all, he said, you think I can do it again? Everybody said, yeah, you can do it again. Yeah, you can do it again. He said, somebody get in the wheelbarrow. Whew. Silence. But a little boy come out of the crowd and said, I'll do it. He jumped up in the wheelbarrow. And there goes this man. And, and, and he, he got all the way to the other side. He made it. He made it. And they said, look, son, how could you do that? He said, because he's my daddy. You can learn to trust God when he's your daddy. When he's your father. And he's working everything together for your good. And he's reaching lost souls. And that we're a part of God's eternal plan. Man, you just got to learn to be committed to Almighty God. Saying, dear God, I want to be committed to you. Mm. The Bible says, this I say then. Walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You know, that's one of our biggest battles. The war that wages the old nature and the new nature, man. And submitting to the new nature, saying, I want you to control my life. I mean, I'm dead. That's why you get baptized. The old man is dead. He's buried. 
Now I'm raised up. I'm a brand new creation in Christ Jesus. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. All things are passed away, and behold, all things are new. Woo! Glory to God. Man, I'm glad I got saved and got crucified, and I'm alive. I've been rose, arose from the dead. Man, I'm alive. And there's, then there's also understanding. You know, you, you got to learn how to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. It says, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not. Now look, it says the world seeth him not. And this is in John 14, 17. Neither do they know him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and shall be in you. So the world can't see him, but that implies that we as believers ought to be able to see him. We need to have our spiritual eyes illuminated to see what the Holy Spirit of God is up to. Don't be in such a hurry that we miss the Holy Spirit of God. Sometimes you've got to put your brakes on and you wait for those promptings. You, you listen to people momentarily. Now, you, you know, like I told you before, you, it's a good day when you realize you're not God and you can't fix all the problems. But I thank God for people. The person that bought me that new car a few weeks ago, I, I, I'm amazed Number one, that they listened to the Holy Spirit of God. Number two, that they obeyed the Holy Spirit of God. It's one thing to give your child a brand new car, but to give a complete stranger $41,000? How many people do that in life? And that's about the third automobile I've had given to me in my, in my ministry. I don't understand. It's just the way it all has worked out, the way God's worked at all, all the details. And I, I thank God for those who listen to the prompting. I don't think Blue would be saved had I not listened to the Holy Spirit. I'd have probably preached him right on through salvation, right out of it. Because I don't know if y'all noticed or not, but I'm a little bit long-winded. <laughs> you know, when I was first started preaching, I, man, I remember my first sermon. I preached that sermon I was done in about 10 minutes. I was everybody's favorite preacher in those days. But I remember my little boy, he was two years old once a pastor. He came down here and he began to pray. I didn't know what little kids pray. He's two years old. And the minute he got up, but I finally realized what it was. He said, dear God, I'm only two. But that is the sorriest sermon I've ever heard in my life. Will you help my daddy? He needs some help, Jesus. Help that man. <laughs> so understanding, Lord, help us to receive and believe and, and trust what you say. And then there has to be purity. This is consciousness of grieving the Holy Spirit of God. The Bible says in the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verse 30, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. It also says in 1 Thessalonians, chapter 5, and verse 19, quench not the Spirit. I mean, we're not to grieve. You know, you know, that's what I love about the Holy Spirit of God. He knows how to show you when you're doing something wrong. When you're in a wrong place at saying or watching a wrong thing or doing something that is wrong, He will prick your heart. He will show you, stop. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. How can I be filled with the Holy Ghost of God if I'm grieving the Holy Spirit of God? Mm. And then there's got to be consistency. When he says be filled with the Holy Spirit of God, the verb is in the present imperative. And it means be, be being constantly filled and kept filled moment by moment. Lord, help me every day to wake up to your promptings. To guide my steps. You know where I'm walking to where I'm headed right now? I'm walking toward my casket. Now, I don't know. I'm, with, I'm walking toward my casket. I'm walking toward the rapture. And so I'm just sort of taking my step. And 
And I know this. I thank God he saved my soul. Because there is not a doubt in my mind. I would either be dead or in prison today had I not got saved. Hallelujah for the saving grace of Almighty God, man. I mean, that's where my life was headed. I had 100 marijuana plants in my backyard tonight that I got saved. They could have called the law and had me locked up. They, old John Hassel, they're shaking the marijuana. He said, man, what are these? I said, they're tomato plants. Come over here and leave them alone. <laughs> he later on, he said, Brother Dennis, he said, I knew there wasn't tomato plants, but I wanted to see what you'd say. Well, I said, I'm sure glad you didn't have me locked up, man. Hallelujah. That's where I was headed. But by the grace of God, I got saved. And now, you know, these elements, faith, obedience, dependency, commitment, understanding, purity, and consistency. It's not a, it's not a, you know, it's not a non-doable list. It's where we ought to be as believers, constantly checking ourselves, saying, Lord, I really want to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. I want you to anoint me with a double portion. That's what Elisha did when he saw it in Elijah's life. He said, Lord, let me, let me receive that. I thank God when J. Harold Smith laid hands on me and prayed for God's anointing on my life, man. I, want, I long for that because I've, I've, you know, I've esteemed it in men's lives such of a high level and degree. And I say, thank you, dear God, that there are men and women that walk in this world that they're different. They're anointed. There's something that is superior to everything else the world has to offer. And that is the anointing of the Holy Spirit of God. Mm, let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you for our time. Lord, I thank you for the Holy Spirit that indwells inside of our body. Lord, I want him not just to be in us, but I want him to be on us. Lord, for that special assignment, to every prompting and wooing and drawing that, Lord, you want us to fulfill. Lord, he's there. The Old Testament saints long for your presence. And now you've put yourself inside of us. Lord, I ask you to help us not to grieve you. Purge sin from our lives in a practical way, God. Help us to be delivered from strongholds. Break any bondage that might be represented here tonight. Lord, I want to pray as we close for our business owners. I ask you to bless their businesses. Lord, give them new customers, new contracts, new clients this week. Lord, let this be a turnaround week for them. Lord, I ask you to favor them, their company. Lord, their, their business. Lord, you know where their, their finances are. You know what they're, what they're up against. Some of them may have employees and they're depending on them. And God, I want to ask you to, here they are on Sunday night at the house of God. And those watching, Lord, I just pray you'll minister grace in their lives, Father. Lord, I pray that they'll experience just what they need, that their need will be met in a very special way. Be with those that are lonely and isolated. I thank you for the, Lord, the, mm, the presence of the Holy Spirit of God. Thank you, dear Jesus. I pray all these things in Christ.